0: You are listening to the 12 stone podcast for more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12 stone.com Now enjoy pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers. God is for you Welcome across the campuses online. Let's jump in this past summer my 16-year-old, Jaden, and I did a father-son trip. It was kind of, this is really our first big trip. He turned 16, and I said, you know, wh- where do you want to go? Let's do a father-son connect, kind of bond, deeper uh, trip. And he said, man, I'd like to go to Cody, Wyoming. And the reason was for the Buffalo Bill, like, Wild West Museum. They have, like, five museums in one. But that, the real purpose was just the one museum, which is the Firearms Museum. Jaden, Jaden, that whole Wild West firearm stuff. Jaden's gotten into that that sport shooting thing, and and as we have an officer friend who's trained him a bit, and 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 he loves that. He's really gotten quite quite good at it. So so kind of leaning into our hobby, we went out there, had a great uh, two three days together, and and really from a father's viewpoint, my whole purpose is clear. I I just, just want to go deeper in my relationship with him, and he with me. I. I want him to know that I am for him. I know that as he becomes his own man, uh, he's going to experience things working against him. People working against him. Circumstances working against him. I just want to know that his dad is for him. And that really brings us to the new series. We're going to sit in Romans for the next six weeks, particularly Chapter eight, and this gets a tremendous amount of attention, if you will, in the community of faith. You go read after theologians, and, and you'll hear from a a Wesley or, or 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 Calvin or Luther, and and you get into that circle of historical theologians, and they're going to raise the Book of Romans, and they're going to raise. This chapter eight in Romans, if, if you're not familiar with it, let me, let me just say, uh, Pastor John Piper, he said it this way so well, the greatest book in the world is the Bible, the greatest letter in that book is Romans, and the greatest chapter in that letter is chapter eight. That gives you a sense of the weight, the scope, the size, and the power of that. William Tyndale called it, that chapter eight of Romans, the most important piece in the New Testament. So I want you to get a sense of this, oh, this is really going to sit at the center of some critical decisions in your faith. In fact, let me just take it further. This this is going to be six convictions. Tell your neighbor, this is going to be what? Six convictions that bring you freedom. I'm telling you, there are six convictions that the Holy Spirit breathed into the life of Paul, that he will breathe into our life. And the first one is this. I'll put it on the TV here. God is for us. Say it with me. God is for us. Now you have wide open paper to write your notes. Many of you have been asking over the years, how come you don't give us more space for notes and let us write our own? Don't just always put your fill in the blank. We want, okay, great. Well, I'm still gonna give you notes and thoughts. God is for us. It was Paul's conviction. And it's really the first of six here. And a, A conviction is something you take to the grave. It's what you live by. You abandon to your convictions and they define you. Listen, even if you don't know what your convictions are, you have them and you live by them. Paul knew what his were and, and we need these six convictions ourselves. So here's where the six-week series is going to go. Here's the, the conviction, and it comes from Romans eight thirty-one. If God is for us, who can be against us? And by the way, when he writes if, it means since. It's a statement. Since God is for us, who can be against us? And that's kind of the lead of where we're going to go. But there are six of these. We're not going to touch them today, but we'll list them so you know where it's going to go on the series. Number one, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's today. Then there is no condemnation in Christ, and we'll come back to that next week. That's verse one. Then we have an obligation to the Spirit. We'll draw from verse 12 in Romans chapter eight. Then all things work together for the good, a conviction from verse 28. Five, we are more than conquerors. Six, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Just as you hear them, you know that if those could be deep convictions in you and for you, what would change your life? Of course it does. Because when you get those right, everything is right. When you get those wrong, everything's wrong. That's how significant these are. And why these get built on top of the spiritual grit conversations we've been having. Now, I woke up early uh, on a on Saturday morning this week, which is just yesterday, and it was like before 5 a.m., so for me, usually I check, God's not up, uh, so, so why be up? Uh, but there was such a weight to pray for you, and I, I spent the next um, probably hour or two praying for you. And I wanna do that right now, because God just put a, a burden f- uh, for us in this day. So would you bow your heads? Can I pray before we get into the weight of the teaching? Father, You know, even though I'm a little choked up right now, it was really joy uh, that I sensed. But I know, God, that uh, many of us f- uh, feel like there are things that are against us. And at times we have people working against us. Sometimes the very people that should be working for us are supporting encouraging. Sometimes we have circumstances working against us. And when we... Take, take this conviction that you are for us. Sometimes, God, to be honest, it's hard for us to believe. And, and I know right now I'm praying over uh, just thousands and thousands of people who, who, who are receiving this prayer. God, I'm asking, would you help us know at the depth of Paul's conviction that you are for us? Because a lot of times we wonder. I almost want to say, forgive us for wondering, but, but we, need, we need you, to do, Holy Spirit, to drive this. Would you drive this and teach this and form this more deeply in us? There are some right now who are spiritually unresolved. I'm praying over them. There's a moment today that your Holy Spirit is going to be drawing them, and they'll, they'll be coming into the kingdom. God, I pray for their salvation. They come to know you and be restored to you and come home. There are others of us who are part of your family, but we're out of fellowship with you. And you want to bring us into greater intimacy and union with you. And there's an awakening that's sitting in front of us today. Holy Spirit, draw us. Move among us. Would you teach us what you taught Paul? Would you drive the conviction deeper? And so make us more like you. You're for us, oh Lord. May we know that more deeply today than ever before in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I think he would have that for us. So here we are, first conviction. Uh, God is for us, who can be against us? Now, it's important in life to know, uh, you know, who's for and who's against. You care about that, I care about that. In fact, when Jaden and I uh, did the whole Cody trip, uh, when you go through security at the airport, what are they doing? They're trying to figure out, are you for them or against them, right? Like in the country, they'll make sure, hey, you're for us. I mean, you want to figure out who's against us. So, so you got these long security, which I know I love. Don't you love it? I mean, that's, it's awesome. I mean, I just, I love to go through that process. But we had one of the um, most entertaining, um, uh, unique experiences g- coming out of Cody. Uh, Jade and we were loading up our stuff. And they said, well, do you have any food? And Jay says, well, yeah, I got some, some Little Debbie brownies. I don't know why, but it took all the attention. He had to get them out of his suitcase. It got a special little bin. Even when it went through, it got a double at the end. And I don't know what they thought were in the brownies. But uh, nonetheless, Little Debbie's. Who knew? And, and, but while we're doing that, then Jaden walks through the right, you, you got this? Anybody know what I'm doing? Yeah, just do the thing and, 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 and let the x-ray go around you. And so Jaden did that and walked through and the lady stopped and she looked at it. She looked at Jaden, and then she, she looks in his ear. <laughs> I thought, that's strange. And then it's my turn. And then I walk through and I do my thing, uh, three seconds, and I walk out and the lady looks, hmm, looks at the x-ray, looks at me, looks at the x-ray, looks at me, Bob. So Bob comes over. Now this is gonna get better. I'm like, well, Bob and I are about to become friends. (laughs) Bob looks at the the little x-ray picture of like a a person, and, and now I'm looking at it. I can see it. He sees, he looks at it, he looks at me. I look at it, I look at him, and it shows a little X on my left knee. The problem is I'm wearing casual shorts. You can see the knee. People, it's a naked knee. And we're not having a conversation. We're just kind of talking with our eyes. He looks at it. He looks at me. He looks at me at my knee. I look at it. I tried. I'm smirking now. I'm like, are we really going to do this? You can already see it's a knee. It's a kneecap. There's no covering. What would I have done? Like, what really is under there? Are we worried, Bob? Are we doing this? Bob sheepishly, you could just see it in his eyes. I hate my job. (laughs) Sir? Sir? I need your permission to tap your knee. (laughs) I'm thinking, Bob, we're really going to do this. I said, Bob, have a great time. (laughs) Bob gets down on his knee, little rubber gloves, tap, tap. Okay. (laughs) Stands up. We're good. We're good. Now you know I'm for you. You, you got y'all you figured, you figured out, what did he accomplish tapping a naked knee? Let's just be honest. I mean, we've been reduced to this. Bob doesn't know what to do. I, I, it's just hilarious. Jane and I got done. I said, why did she look at It says, "It put an X on my ear. She had to look in my ear. Then the brownie thing got to be a thing. So I don't know. We just had, but, but at least they know we're not against, we're for. Now, how do you know God is for you? Look at Romans chapter 6. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end. But now that you found you don't have to listen to sin, to what, church? Sin. You don't have to listen to sin anymore. You have to listen to sin to tell you what to do. You've discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, and what a surprise. A whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. That's the message version you're familiar with, and the wages of sin is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered, what? Delivered by Jesus, our master. See, Romans 6 and that message version makes some of us hear it fresh and clear that God is for us, but how do you know? Well, when you unpack that verse, there's at least three things I want to talk about if you want to jot it down here. they are. The first one is, he pays our debt. If you want to do it, just jot it down. He pays our debt. See, the, the first way you know that God is for us is because he pays our debt. We, we just read it. When you listen to sin, what do you get? A debt in life. Sin. <laughs> you get a debt end life. You, you, you have to pay for it. The hard work of sin in your life just leads to losing everything. And ultimately dying here and for all of eternity. Let's talk about debt. Out of curiosity, how many of you have ever been or are in debt? Just hands across all campuses, online, everywhere. Look, do it again. Ever been in debt or are in debt? Hands up so we can see whose mind, hands are up. Okay, you get so you understand it. Now listen, the longer you've been in debt, the more you carry it, the weightier it is. I mean, at first you don't think nothing of credit card debt. And you just write, slide the card. But then, after a while, pretty soon you're doing it for more than pleasure. Sometimes you're doing it for pressure. Sometimes, you know, you're financially under pressure, and you used to pay it all off. And then, pretty soon, you just now you're carrying a, 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 an accumulative amount of debt, and then you pay the minimum. And pretty soon, if you're just paying the minimum, you're going to be in debt your whole life. And what seemed to be freedom becomes a prison. Listen, the longer you have it, the more it weighs. Oh, it's just little payments, but they start adding up, and they start stealing the strength and financial stability. And you're like, man, I wish I could get rid of those payments and that debt. And then you buy a car, and it's a new car, and you get payments, and you're paying two, four, six hundred dollars a month, and you're like, oh, I got a new car. But pretty soon, you're paying the same payments for a used car, and you're in, and it's accumulated, and you don't want to look at the total debt. You're just doing the payments, but really, if you could get all of those, it starts to be a prison. That's that's not a, that's not helping you. You know the weight of it. Marsh and I were in college, we took debt. And we were like, hey, no big deal. We'll get a job and pay it off. <laughs> okay. We had like 20-some thousand dollars of debt in the early 80s. Our total combined income when we each got a job was $28,000. We had $20,000 of debt. The payments were killing us. I didn't understand what we, what we did. Very soon, the weight. wait. When everybody wants to get a house, you get a house, but you got a mortgage. And listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you've never had debt, and you don't know it. It's weight on you. But my goodness, where your life could be if you could get rid of the debt. Yeah? Wouldn't that be all just like,
1: oh.
0: Check this out. This is USA Today. They did, USA Today did this um, picture, if you will, of, of debt, and that doesn't look there we go. I can see that better. And uh, here's the average household debt. Uh, credit cards, 16883 Auto loans, $29,539. Almost $30,000. Student loans, $50,000 roughly. Average mortgage, $182,000. I mean, it, any, it, you, you, all, you all know what we're talking about here, right? Now, you know what would be fun? You know what would be awesome? You know what would be spectacular? You know what would make this a life-changing day? If Jesus, if like God sent his son Jesus to come here to 12 Stone and decided to pay off everybody's debt. Would you get excited? I'm not even asking and you're already excited. Like if I said, y'all come up here and we're just going to pay off your debt. All of a sudden... People start getting a little bit excited. Listen, 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 because if you understand the weight of your debt, you understand the power of that deliverance. Now, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to at least show what it could look like. So I'm going to ask the police officers to come on out here. And they're going to help us because this is kind of the summary of of debt. And I thought, you know what? Let's not just just be flippant about it. Let's just give an example. And you'll notice that there are officers around the room because I said, if I invited you to come up, which I'm not, And I would recommend you not. I can't go to the bank and come up with this money. Maybe you can, good for you if you can. I can't. So, the bank releasing this, it's it's gonna wanna go back. You follow me? Everybody following me? Okay, so so let's play with this a little bit. $17,000 is the average debt for credit card. Jesus says paid, and everybody goes, yeah. And then he says, now what are we doing with that car thing? You got you got car debt? Here we go. There's your 30000 And everybody says, whew, you got that college debt thing bugging you? Let's take care of that. There's your 50000 You know that mortgage you keep paying every month? We have got to do something about that too. So Jesus says, here's what we're going to do. There's your mortgage payment. Yeah. Boom. Now, let me ask you something. I know this is, I know this is weird. I, you know what? I've never touched that much money for in my life. Did I just do that? I'm sorry. Uh, I won't do that next service. Uh, I'll be mature. If I said, anybody who wants, y'all come up and every person gets a bag like this. How many would come up? How many would come running? I mean, right, listen. You know what? At 11 o'clock, we couldn't get them all in. Y'all would be like texting everybody, fly in to Atlanta. Get here for the later service. This would be viral. News stations would be here before the one o'clock. You know why? Because everybody understands real financial debt, and when you understand the weight of the debt, you understand the deliverance, and you would come running, yes? Yes, you would. Now, that's not mine, so I'm gonna let the police officer put it back. They make me nervous. Is it just me? But man, we have it like they're all over today. If you, if you came in today, you're like, a lot of police officers, what's going on? So nothing goes on. So that goes back where it belongs. Now listen, you're probably getting the point already right? Tell me you're getting the point. Because this is a physical illustration of a spiritual reality. See, the reality is all of us are in debt for sin. Listen, listen. If you've never understood this, let me help you. Sin is spiritual debt. And it costs us our life. The payments, the wages, the consequence of sin is death. And we take on sin like credit cards. We just slide it, no big deal, no big deal, and our life begins to make payments against it. And we think, well, I'm trying to pay off my sin. No, you're not. There is no payment other than death. When you physically die, the shedding of your blood, when your life perishes, you've just paid for your sin, including your soul, separated from God for all of eternity. And there's not enough money to cover it because that's not the payment. And if you understand the weight of that debt, you would understand the size of God's deliverance through Jesus. And God is for us, so he sent his son Jesus not to pay off measly financial debt, which is material and fading, but to take care of your soul, which is eternal and everything. And in his love for you, Jesus... Left heaven, came to earth, was sinless. That's why he had to be born of the Virgin Mary. He was without sin. Otherwise, had he sinned, his death would be for his own sin. It couldn't cover anyone else. But the shedding of his blood, that red blood, writes over our sin and covers us paid. See, what we did in the Garden of Eden is we walked away from God. We left. We what, everybody? Left. We left God. We broke off the relationship. We went off on our own. To be connected with God is life. To be disconnected with God is death. And his amazing love for us. He said, but this consequence, if you will, this gift of his love, this God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus Christ, our master. (laughs) Listen. If we understood the weight of our sin debt, And what Jesus did to deliver us, and I said, y'all come right now, y'all come, and when you come forward, Jesus is going to forgive you of all your sin debt and restore you to your heavenly Father, and your soul and forever has eternal life and the joy of God with you here and now. Man, everybody should come running. Like, we should be like nonstop. Like, it should be like, whoa, all day. Like, you can't, you'd be calling everybody. You got to get here. Oh, my goodness, do you know what God has done for you. But you know what? Something's wrong. See, because we don't understand the weight of our sin debt, or we don't understand the size of His deliverance. But if we did, we'd come running. Maybe today, the Holy Spirit helps you finally get it. He's for you, and you know that because he pays your debt. Secondly, you know it because he forgives your sin. Jot it down, because he forgives our sin. Jesus told a story in Luke 15 so that we would know that our heavenly father is for us. So he says the kingdom of God is like this. It's a story of a father who had two sons, could have been two daughters, same story. Appropriate to the context, a father with his two sons in that time and day. And, and the things you need to know is that there's a younger son and an older son, a younger brother, an older brother. And the first one, I left, say it with me, I what? I left my father's house. That, 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 what, he tells this quick little parable to reveal a kingdom truth. And, and the younger son, I left my father's house. And the older son, I left what? Say it with me, I left, say I left, I left the father's heart. So he tells the story. There's a father who had two sons, and the younger son said, I'd like to have my inheritance. And in other words, he just left, he walked away from his father, took his inheritance early, insulting his father, saying, I'm done with you, I don't need you, I have a better life without you. Kind of mimicking the Garden of Eden when we said, hey God, I'll I'll just take the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, really the tree of death. And we, 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 we didn't go to the tree of life, missed it. So the son goes off, and in wild living, thinks this is an awesome life, but the debt of his sin accumulates, and pretty soon he's starving, he's feeding pigs, and he's like, my life is horrible. You know what? This didn't play out like I thought. I mean, there are servants in my father's house who are living better than me. And so in his humility, he said, I'm going to crawl back to my father and see if he'll let me at least be a servant. Not a son. I'm not going to be restored. I just want to be a servant in his house. And when he comes back to his father's house, he discovers that his father is for him. This father runs to him, embraces him, loves him, very quickly forgives him. The son repents and says, forgive me, father. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'll just be a servant. The father says, no, he lifts him up. He puts a robe on him, puts the family ring on his finger and brings him to the house and celebrates says, I want to throw a party. He said, because my son who was lost is found. He left and he came back home. He said, the kingdom of God is like that. Isn't that amazing about our heavenly father? Does that just blow your mind that God is for us like that? That's who God is. If you don't know that about him, that's why we're having this conversation. That you have great debt, you've left home, but you can come back home and and, and he'll forgive you. Through Jesus, that's possible. See, in, in, in other words, listen. The answer is God is for you. The question is, are you for God? See, in John 1 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what he does. We confess and he forgives because it's been paid through Jesus, but we have to confess and then he'll forgive. That's Jesus paid the price so forgiveness can be possible. His blood, like literally, writes over our sin forgiven. It's amazing. Then there's the older brother. Now, the older brother is a different story inside the same story. The younger brother comes home. The older brother never ran away from home, literally, physically in that sense. But if you follow the story, the younger brother comes home, and the older brother is ticked that the father brought the younger one in and forgave him and restored him. And he's like, all these years I've been working for you, like, I'm, like I should be more important than the younger brother. And hey, you know what? Stay with me. Stay with me. The older brother got used to his father's grace we just got familiar keep listening and when the father threw the party for the younger brother the older brother left the house listen they both had moments where they left he left the father listen he had left the father's heart long ago he wasn't in fellowship with the father he'd been harboring things and distant he didn't know his father's heart he didn't engage he wasn't in right fellowship with the father See, there are moments in your life where you might be in the kingdom, but you still, this verse applies to you. In fact, this was written to the church in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, if I'm far from God, like the younger son, spiritually unresolved and haven't come back home when I do, that forgiveness applies to me. But listen, I've been in the faith a long time and many times have needed that same verse applied as a Christian, right? Right? Because I sin, stumble, get out of fellowship with the Lord. And I might be in his house, but I'm far from his heart. See, missing the mark is the very thing God's going to help restore. In the Greek, missing the mark is, is a legit use or explanation for what sin literally means. He's missing the mark. And it's the imagery of, of you know, a target and then you've got the bullseye. Now, Jaden and I came back from Cody and one of uh, (laughs) Jaden's bucket lists was, man, dad, I would love to shoot a 50 cal BMG. That may or may not mean anything to you because you might not be familiar with uh, with how cartridges and, and bullets work. So let me give you a picture of, of what that means. This is a 22 size. This is a nine millimeter. And in comparison, that's a 50 BMG. That's gunpowder for those of you who are unfamiliar with what sits inside that. That's part of why people like to go sports shoot because it's just kind of cool and you're trying to hit a mark. And so there's a skill and discipline and it's, it's just all kinds of fun. So we found a place where you can actually go shoot they're a 50 BMG uh, that, that they have set up in the, you know, in the gun range, 100 yards. And for 15 bucks, you can buy the bullet, and they'll let you shoot their gun. Well, this is fantastic. I'm going to go fulfill his, his wonderful little bucket list. And Marcia says, hey, I'll go too. And I'm like, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> it's not a 22, baby. It's, it's a 50 BMG. Okay, okay, I'll go. So let's go. So, so we all go and we you know, buy a bullet and we go in there and you got the range guy that helps uh, set it up and, and shoot. And so here's here's just here's 30 I don't know 20 seconds of Jaden uh, uh, taking a shot with his uh, with the 50 BMG. It's, it's kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. I mean, he just, oh, that's fun. And hundred yards down, then they, you know, they, that, that, the, the target comes all the way back and you check out the target and you see how you did. And, and then, I, you know, I have my turn. Marsha has her turn. In fact, in fact, here's Marsha sitting at the gun. I, I had to take a picture of her because it's just cool. And and while while she's sitting at the gun, I, I, I got to help her. I got to coach her up. I mean, she's she's never done this. I have the most experience. Jaden has the second most. But mom, she doesn't do this. And so I, I'm not being unkind to her at all. But I'm like, uh, no, you don't do it that way, baby. Uh, no, you keep the gun here. I'm telling you, the kick. Uh, and fortunately, you know, I had a silence around. So that helps a little bit of suppressor. And so, so anyhow, we're coaching her up. And while she's doing it, she can't. I can't find the target. I just can't find the target. She's looking. There's no target. Honey, it's there. It's 100 yards down. You got to move. It's, I don't even care if she hits the target. Just, just baby, give it your best shot. Just, just, you know, don't knock yourself over. Let you, here we go. Uh, and so good for her. She did. Now you should give, her. I'm like, good for you, baby. You did it. And, and I love that about her. She's adventurous. And, and so she took her shot and you know, I take my shot. By the way, when I took my shot, here's, here's where my uh, bullet landed. I mean, I'm telling you a hundred yards and first time I ever shot one is not bad. I'm kind of six and I'm trying to get to the 10, the 10s, the bullseye, not bad. And, and then we got hers back and, and here's hers. It annoyed me then as much as you're annoying me right now. Your response isn't even appreciated. My wife outshot me. She 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 outshot Jaden. Jaden outshot me. It's too expensive to go back and keep doing. You know, she had that little smirk. I love that woman. But she had that little smirk that says, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm better at it than you. (laughs) I just, you know, it's just like that. Oh. Now, hang on. Stay with me. We all get that little comparison thing going on. I outshot you. Hey, listen, the older brother might have outshot the younger brother, but everybody's missing the point. The point is everybody missed the target. The bullseye. See, there's a whole bunch of us comparing ourselves to other people in the world thinking, well, I'm certainly doing better than them. I'm more holy than that person. I'm more righteous. And you're missing the whole point. Right here is holiness. Jesus. Dead center. And that's the mark, and nobody's hitting it. See, sin is missing the mark. But stay with me. It's more than that. See, the bullseye isn't just holy perfection. The bullseye is intimacy and union with the Father. This isn't some robotic religion. This is an intimate relationship that we left, and now God makes possible to restore. Listen to the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. Jesus prayed for his disciples and us. I pray for them. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And that's true. That's right at the center of the bullseye, that we would have the truth of God and be holy and pure. But listen, there's more to his prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they all, that all of them may be one. Isn't this interesting? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. This whole point, the bullseye, is a relationship of union with the Father to restore what was broke and lost in the garden. This isn't a religion of hitting some perfect mark and list of do's and don'ts. This is an intimate relationship with the Father who created you, who loves you, who is for you who sent his son to pay your debt. That's how you know he's for you and to forgive your sin. On many occasions, in the course of my walk with the Lord, I have listed my sins and I'm not going to do that for you. We don't have time. Let me check. Nope, not enough paper. (laughs) However, on many occasions, I'll have my prayer time with the Lord and I'll write in my journal. And when I do, I'll physically write out my sins before the Lord so that I'm honest to God about where I'm missing the mark. And because my soul desires to be in intimate communion with him, I say, Lord, I know you've paid the price. I know you want to forgive me. And I'll receive that. And that's only by the blood of Jesus. I mean, I'm covered. That's what the red means. It was covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm very aware that I can be like an older brother and at times be out of fellowship with the Lord. And there are moments when you say, you know what, if I'm honest, I've left the Father's heart. I mean, before I come to faith in him, yes, I've left him the house. I'm not in fellowship, but I've left the Father's heart. And then you just ride over it. I'm home. Meaning come back into fellowship. That's always His invitation, always. It's why God has proven again and again that he is for you. Third thing he does is he frees from fear. Might be worth noting, it's not to take long, but he frees from fear. He's for you and because he's for you, it frees you from fear. He's not against you. By the way, we're three weeks from the NFL, roughly, from football, starting for those of us, I you know we like college football, I know we like the NFL. By the way, out of curiosity, how many will be cheering for the Falcons? How many would love to see the Falcons make it do well this year? Come on, cross campus. Yeah, yeah. Now, listen. because of that, how many of you will be cheering against the Patriots and the Saints? Let me hear that. Yeah, right. Listen, because Listen, because when you know who you're for, you immediately know who you're against not curious see God is for you the question is are you for God Jesus said this way if you're not for me you're against me there's no neutral in this and if you're for me as I'm for you there will be a holy restoration and union made possible through Jesus and it removes all fear because God is greater than our enemy Satan, the evil one. And Satan puts fear in our soul. And you should have a holy fear. Reverence for who God is. Fear over what your sin will cost you. Fear over the pending judgment. The accountability that is due you. But God's perfect love casts out fear. See, greater is he who is in us as the conviction goes so look at what paul wrote in romans by the spirit the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in what fear again that, that fear stuff is gone. Live in fear of what saw judgment and sin and death. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That is, we cry out to our Father. And we have this restored, amazing, wonderful relationship with God. And listen, if you understood your debt and you understood the weight of your sin debt, then when the invitation is made for you to come to Jesus and know what he's done for you, that he's delivered you from it, you would come running. The whole world would. It's why part of the prayer this weekend has been that you would understand the weight of your sin and that you would understand the size of God's deliverance. See, the Holy Spirit draws us to himself, and so we're going to have a moment today. And God has been preparing this moment For you, because he's for you, he has been for you. And you don't come to God on your own. Our sin makes it impossible for us to desire God. So how do you know that the Holy Spirit is working in you? Listen, here's how you know. If you have a desire to respond to the very truth God is teaching you today, that's the Holy Spirit. You don't have that desire on your own. You can't come up with that. No one can come to him unless the Holy Spirit draws them. That's what Jesus said in John 6, 44. So the Holy Spirit is going to draw today, and he set this day up. It's for two groups of people. First group is for those of you who are like the younger son, the younger brother, man, woman, student, whatever, place you are in life, but you're like that. You've never said yes to Jesus. And you know in your soul That all that has just been taught is true because God is helping you see its truth. You know God is for you. The question is, are you for God? That's always the question that's sitting out here. Are you for God? He, oh, he's for you. Are you for him? And so if you're more like the younger son and you've never said yes to Jesus, then you're going to be invited to come forward here across the campuses. And you settle this online as well. And there up front, there's a, a card here that says, I left. It's just, it's, just, it's just like I wrote up here. All, all, all the card says is, is I left. And, and, and then you're going to come forward. And your coming to Jesus is really a prayer of saying, I'm home. And you'll just take that red pen and write over it, I'm home. That's it. And you'll keep this. You'll come forward. You'll pick up one of the cards at the campus is at the front at a table in a moment. And you're like the younger brother, you've never said yes to Jesus. And when you do this, this is you saying, God, I confess that I've left, I've sinned, but I know Jesus paid to cover my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And and I'm in the kingdom, I'm home. Wow, the Father loves me. And I'll tell you what, Jesus said, All of heaven will celebrate for you. That's the first group. There's a second group. The second group is you who are more like the older brother, you who have not, you're in the family. You're in the house, but maybe you've drifted. Maybe maybe you've stumbled into sin. Maybe you've gotten used to his grace. Maybe you're quiet with the Lord. Maybe you've allowed sin to be okay, and you know you're not in intimate, connected fellowship. And Maybe you've been three months in your faith, three years or 30 years, and the Spirit of God is saying, kind of like the older brother, get back in fellowship. Surrender that sin. Close the gap on the distance. The whole goal was fellowship with him. And you'll come forward too today, and you'll pick up the card, I left. You know what it means, you left the Father's heart, and you'll write, I'm home. Now, for both groups, when you come up and you kind of write, I'm home, in red on that card, that's your prayer to say, I'm home. And there's going to be someone at the front who prays with you, seals this moment. It's significant in the kingdom of God, and you'll walk back to your seat, take the card with you, and all of heaven celebrates Because the intention of God is that you would know he is for you. So everybody stand with me across the campuses if you would. Band's going to come. I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors. We're going to lead this moment. And we have a significant, significant spiritual moment in the presence of God.
1: Jesus, would you give us a stronger desire for the things of your kingdom? We want more of you, Jesus. That's how we do. Sing once again. So once again, I invite you in.